Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, Kevin MacDonald here. We're going to be speaking today about the Renters Reform Bill, which has been introduced by Parliament on the 17th of May 2023. I've been joined by Mark Homer, the co-founder of Progressive Property, and Kieran Tullett from Progressive Let's. So guys, obviously the Renters Reform Bill has been introduced a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of stuff in here uh, that can affect tenants, could affect landlords, um, even student debt properties. So uh, I guess what's your thoughts on it? Um, we can go as a pertinent president of Letting's Curie, Yeah, I guess. sure. What's um, your thoughts on thank that? Thank you, Kevin. Cool. So as uh, Kevin mentioned, um, you know, this was only introduced to the government on the 17th of May. So just to confirm, nothing is set in stone yet. Um, of course, this bill needs to go through first reading, which is what this is. Second reading, you know, the House of Commons, House of Lords, uh, before it achieves royal assent, basically before it becomes law in the UK. So I think that's important to remember that. You know, none of this is set in stone yet. Potentially, there are things that could, you know, be changed. Potentially, things that could be added. So, um, there's a few points in here which I suppose we're going to discuss today. Um, you know, the potential abolishment of the Section 21, uh, the sort of strength and grounds of the Section 8, um, and, and a few other little things. So, I think we've, we'll go through, you know, all of those points today. Sort of give our opinions on on that. And uh, before we do that, just for mm-hmm. anyone watching, Section 21, Section 8. For anyone who's brand new to property, maybe just starting out in their property journey, uh, could you give a little explanation of the difference between of Section course. 21 and Section 8? Yeah, so the Section 21 is, um, it's, you know, got this sort of buzzword of, you know, the no-fault eviction, basically. It's, it's something that the landlord has sort of within their armory, if that's the correct word to use, you know, if, if, if they want their property back, which ultimately is, is at the sort of, you know, heart of the landlord's right. It's their property and with reasonable notice, they should be able to get their property back. And, you know, this is what the Section 21 does. Um, you know, the landlord can serve this on their tenant. Uh, it's basically two months. Um, and that particular tenant, you know, has that two-month period to find alternative accommodation. Uh, so again, the Section 21 can be served without grounds, basically. Uh, the Section 8 um, it has to be served on grounds, normally uh, two-month rent arrears, um, or it can be antisocial behaviour. So that's the sort of difference between the both. Okay, and this new renters reform bill is getting rid of Section 21. Potentially, yeah. I think that's what's turned a lot of heads for both landlords and tenants, uh, which may come as a surprise. Um, yeah, you know, basically Michael Gove has said, you know, part of this bill was to get rid of that because he deems it, you know, as sort of unfair and a no-fault eviction. Um, it's obviously turned a lot of heads for landlords because, as I've just touched upon, it's, you know, ultimately, you know, part of their fundamental right as, as the owner of the property. You know, when they want their property back, they should be able to, to claim it back uh, with serving adequate notice, which is the two months, you know. I've, I've personally, you know, I've been working in this rented history now for uh, private rental um, industry for about a decade now, and maybe I'm one of the fortunate ones. I've never been approached by a landlord uh, to say, you know, I'm going to, you know, go to my property tomorrow, knock on the door and ask for the keys back and, and they must leave. You know, there's laws in this country that protect tenants, you know, it's deemed an illegal eviction and there are, you know, heavy fines, potential imprisonment and, you know, potentially the, the, the right to lose, you know, their right as being a landlord. So. Um, I think the Section 21 is definitely one that's turning a lot of heads at the moment for landlords. What's really interesting today is I'm obviously a landlord, Mark's a landlord with multiple properties. Um, Kieran's actually a tenant, so I'm going to get some thoughts on Kieran about the tenant side as well as being a renter. But um, Mark, as an investor, as somebody with a large property portfolio, um, what's your thoughts on the, the bill? 
Well, all I've been reading is that landlords are exiting. Um, obviously, they have been exiting because of interest rate rises and other legislation and Section 24, but this is accelerating it. Uh, I read another article this morning, uh, something like half of the number of landlords uh, were registering than was the case a year ago. Um, so, you know, that's quite a big deal, really. Um, and, um, you know, for me, I, yes, this is going to have challenges in it. Um, you know, when I, I was speaking to one investor not that long ago who says he uses the Section 8 anyway and doesn't really use a Section 21, because let's be honest, who want, which landlord actually wants to kick their tenants out because, um, you know, just, just because they want the property back or, or mm. for any other reason, what is what is ninety eight percent of 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 ninety eight percent of cases are they're not paying the rent, um, so you you want to have them evicted, or as is the case now, Kieran and I are doing lots of rent rises. I want to get rents up to about within about five to ten percent of market value, and if they don't agree, you know, to a fair rent rise, which is actually below market value, mm. then I may use a section twenty one if they you know. I, you know, Kieran and I have constant discussions about we'll have a negotiation. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. if they negotiate, you know, we want to keep them. So, ninety-eight percent of the time, landlords actually don't want to use the provisions of the Section Twenty-One. They just use the Twenty-One because it is a, a, a sort of catch-all, fail-safe. Yeah. Because they're worried that if they go to court and say there are rent arrears, and then the tenant comes up with you know pays a little bit more of the, the, the rent down, then they might not meet the Section 8 criteria um, or, you know, there are other reasons why that can fail. Um, so, yes, the Section 8 probably is the, the correct thing to use and, and, and actually it shouldn't make a huge amount of difference. Now that we understand that the Section 8 is suggest the, the, the amendments to the Section 8 are such that um, if a tenant is more than three times in arrears, and I understand from you earlier that 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 could be even by one day and by by any might any amount, you know, more than three times, then you can apply for the section eight. Obviously, we haven't seen the de the, the detail yet. Yep. The devil will be in the detail. Mm. Um, you know, are there lots of other reasons why the application can fail to the court? Um, and if there aren't, um, and they are genuinely beefing up the section eight. Um, then, honestly, as a sort of slightly, uh, I don't know, slightly selfish uh, landlord sort of sitting here um, thinking, I, I quite like it all because, you know, reduction in landlords means increased rent, increased rent, uh, less supply of property. Um, this is all that's happening. You know, I, I, I was talking to Nigel Farage on GB News about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, rents in this area have gone from... 550 on a little three bed in 2016. Kieran's now getting nine 950 mm. um, on the same sort of property. Um, and that is largely because of this sort of stuff, mm. putting landlords off. Um, so I don't see it as all bad. What what you need to do is learn about this stuff, understand it, and I wouldn't go too deep into it at the moment because it's not yet there yet and obviously there will be amendments to it and as it goes to the Lords there'll be further amendments. In fact it got withdrawn a few weeks ago and, and at one point Labour was saying oh they, the Conservatives have backed away and they're not going to push it through at all. So it'll get changed but once once it's there you, you just need to understand what the provisions are and I think letting agencies are already gearing up for it. Um, 
yeah, they will find a way to deal with it. And they're just going to have to become better at um, using the provisions of the Section 8. Some landlords I talk to prefer the Section 8 anyway to the 21 because there are provisions in it which they prefer. Yep. But um, lots of agents have become used to just using mm. the catch-all, which is the landlord has the ability to ask the tenant to leave for any, any reason, mm. which is what the Section 28, 21 um, gives them. So, you know, is, is it such a big deal? Um, you know, yes, you're going to need to learn stuff. Yes, letting agents are going to have to... Uh, work a little bit harder and learn new, new legislation and, and change their processes and procedures. Um, but that isn't a bad thing. It's certainly having the effect of putting lots of landlords off and getting lots of them, instead of, to re, instead of them remortgaging, they're selling. Yeah. Loads of them are selling, um, which means less supply. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to evict tenants. If they're paying their rent at anything like well, market rent, you, better you, the you devil don't want to. Better Absolutely. The devil not, yeah. and, and I suspect you still will be able to evict if you're um, you know, going to sell the property. Or I haven't seen all the provisions, but I suspect if there's, there's some major development planned, that sort of stuff, you'll still be able to get it back. <laughs> you know, if I sit on the other side of the fence, and I was a tenant once, you know, you know, and, and, and some, you know, there's been a few occasions where I have considered renting a property. The thing that has really put me off is I can't do any work to this place uh, and I'm always worried that the landlord could just serve me with two months notice and you must feel that kid. Uh, so from a sort of personal point of view that has always put me off um, and knowing that if I pay my rent on time and I do everything as I should the landlord can't serve me notice to leave like yeah. that. Um, that might well that would make me want to rent if I was going somewhere else. So from the tenant's point of view, it, it surely will give some some peace of mind, which yeah. is um, well, also, you know I, not a bad thing, is it? I guess most as landlords, um, bad, rogue landlords give good landlords <laughs> like us a bad name, yeah. and rogue landlords will do what they do, yeah. and this will help get rid of a lot more rogue landlords. I hope it does. Yeah, uh, I, I hope it. You know, because some of them might say, "Oh well, you know, you you, you want too much maintenance done," or. You know, you're you're causing me other. I don't like it, whatever. And issue a section twenty one yeah. as a or threaten it as a, a sort of catch all um, mechanism. Uh, but you're right. Uh, we're here, you know, following the regulations and and and, and trying to stay within all the guidelines. Um, and um, so it should be a benefit. I just hope it doesn't drive them further underground because there are lots of landlords who just don't bother with licensing and all yeah. this sort of stuff. Uh, and we tend to pay the price for that. Uh, I know from me, my perspective, I've never evicted a tenant that through us that hadn't um, had a problem. So if they've either caused damage or upset they've not the paid the rent or whatever it may be, even upset the neighbours. I don't think I've ever even kicked no. them out for upsetting the neighbours. Very rare. Yeah. I mean, it's more. Yeah, rent. same here. Yeah. We'd we'd sort of uh, we'd put up with a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but I'd always use the section twenty one to yeah. do that because. Yeah. The, the rent arrears with a section 8 if I used yeah. this is what my thought process was if I used a section 8 I could chase them for the rent arrears yeah. afterwards but they didn't have the money to pay it anyway so you're never going to get it you'll get a pound a week for about mm. 10 months or something and then you never get any more so with a section 21 no fault eviction you can't chase the rent arrears but you've got rid of them easier and quicker so the data the government have used for this will be very incorrect where they've not took into account that probably 
50, 60, 70% of Section 21 notices were really Section 8s in disguise. Yeah, <coughs> I, th- I think that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, often when we issue notice, when they haven't been paid the rent, do we do a Section 8 and a Section 21? Yeah, normally we do both, yeah. just to you know cover both grounds. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to the Section 8, I suppose, I think landlords find more comfort in the Section 21 because it's you know, almost that safety net ultimately. You know, with the Section 8, it has to be on grounds, you know, it's easy to show, you know, evidence of rent arrears. Um, however, trying to show evidence on, you know, antisocial behaviour can be very difficult. And that's where you experience it being chucked at court. You know, you'll go to court, you'll go through all of that process, you'll make the, you know, the, the, the payments to go to court. When it actually gets there, you know, your evidence has to be so strong, you know, around antisocial behaviour mm. and stuff like that. You're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, you're wasting a lot of time and money. I think a lot of landlords as well are panicking about this bill and either getting out of the market or for fear rather than fact and a lot are worried about not getting into it again for fear rather than fact. They don't even know what it is. They don't know what it is. All they know is that the media has been making a load of noise and upsetting them. Yeah, because bad news sells. Yeah, of course it does. um, In here as well, one of the big things is you mentioned there about if you were looking to sell the property. It actually states in the bill that so long as your tenant's in place for six months or more, you can give them notice to leave if you are either moving into the house yourself mm. or selling it. Yeah, correct. So if you're not moving into it and not selling it and just want to rent it to a tenant and you're able to charge market rent and you've got a good tenant, why would you get rid of a good tenant paying market rent to move in a potentially bad tenant who doesn't pay? You, you absolutely <laughs> wouldn't. It's just you wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, I guess for everybody who's panicking about the media story of, of um, this bill, is have you actually read through the detail yourself or are you just listening to the media storm? Because like everything, I've, you've been in property now, what, 20 years? About that. Yeah, I've been doing it badly for 10 and well for 10, so a bit less better. Um, in, in that time, We've seen loads of changes, the lot tax changes. You mentioned Section 24 earlier. Letting agents fees, yeah. that, that was going to be a major thing. Uh, yeah, arrangement fees had to go, you know, sorry, referencing. And, mm. and then we, there's a, you know, various ways around that now. They, they'd still do pay a fee up front, which you're allowed to charge for referencing. Uh, yeah, there's been clause, uh, sorry, Section 24. There's been stamp duty increases, licensing up the wazoo. Uh, everywhere, you know, tend, tend, they tend to want licensing. Um, you know, um, right to rent checks, uh, Legionella checks, um, uh, you know, smoke smoke detector checks. Every three, months. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Fire safety bill. Uh, there's a load of fire stuff just been introduced. And yet, with all that, you find a way around it. You find a way around it. Yeah. So the rent, the rent has to go up to pay for this stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what's happened. Uh, and you find a way around it. And uh, yeah. So I guess the point of that is, is there's always be changes. There always will be. There'll be after this removal of Section 21. There'll be an introduction of Section 39 or 56 or whatever will come next. But will there always be buy to let landlords? Will there always be tenants? Absolutely. Hmm. And to make a buy to let landlord will only be there if they can make money. And with all of this stuff coming in, the only way to, for them to make money will be less supply, hmm. um, more rent. Yeah, and an opportunity potentially to, for those landlords that are fearful and leaving the market, an opportunity to pick up some bargain properties. I think I think that's probably the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the other part that was interesting was this landlord register, um, yes. which um, 
yes, you know, Michael Gove's made a lot of this and sort of said, oh, well, landlords are all going to have to be registered because they're, they're nasty people. And uh, it might be a public register. Um, it sounds like it probably will be. Mm. Haven't we already got that with licensing? Uh, mm. There's already a public register. HMO register? Uh, yeah. Uh, selective licensing well, around register. here we've got, they'll be introducing another selective licensing scheme. Mm. A lot of the town, you know, requires a license on a, a rented property. Mm. And I'm sure lots of councils up and down the country, that's the same, you know, that's mm. we've, most of them have moved to that situation anyway. So fine, let them do another register, but what's the difference? Mm. Yeah. And the ones that miss out on that register again are the rogue landlords who don't put themselves on their license. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. that's the, the driving or the, the selling point behind it, isn't it? It's, it? I think it goes back to about the whole 80, 20% rule, isn't it? You know, there's a very small selection of rogue landlords, if that's the term to put it, uh, which is really affecting, you know, the majority of good landlords. Again, maybe I'm one of the fortunate ones that have only experienced you know, good landlords, uh, good properties, and you know, therefore good tenants. Well, you don't let them in; you won't manage them. Uh, but, but as a, you mean from as a as a tenant, as a renter, or, or, or on both because you're letting you're both sides of the fence, aren't you? Yeah. You're a letting agent, but you're also a tenant. Mm. As a tenant, have you ever rented off a rogue landlord? No. Now, is that because you've always been a good tenant? Yeah, I think there's many factors. Yeah, one being a good talent, um, you know, ultimately you have to take responsibility as well, do your own due diligence. You know, there are places out there where, you know, such as Right Move, Zoopla and stuff where, you know. I'll give you an example. So on our, in our shop, we've got like our um, Google reviews or whatever, mm. and we've got some one star reviews. Mm. And the one star reviews have come from the rogue tenants, mm. the ones that have. Yeah. Called antisocial behaviour, yeah. not paid the rent, damaged houses, yeah. um, graffiti <clears throat> walls, etc. Yeah. And then when they leave, they go on and go, oh, terrible landlord, um, yeah. because he didn't let me destroy his house. Yeah. Um, so it are all rogue landlords, there is rogue landlords, but mm. is there also rogue landlords that are highlighted rogue landlords that are not because they got rid of the rogue tenant? So yeah, for sure. you've never encountered a rogue <clears throat> landlord. Fortunately not. I think it's where you find the property. So yeah, if sure. you go to a reputable letting agency, say Progressive Lets, so yeah. Kieran would, would work um, for Progressive Lets, and um, I don't know, what are you managing, 1,300 tenants or something like that? Yeah, yeah, um, that. You know, they're, they're, they're regulated, part of an ombudsman scheme, all that sort of stuff. If, if they have a landlord who comes in and says, oh, I want to run a HMO, I don't want to license it, all the rest of it. Yeah, you won't take them on. They just won't take them on. Yeah. And if they're trying to do it halfway through, then Wayne will, will just say, well, we can't offer you a service anymore and kick them out. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I imagine that with most of the big, you know, reputable letting agencies in this town, it'll be mm. the same thing. Mm. So, you know, if you go and rent from, you know... Uh, Direct to landlord without an agency. Well, exactly. I think you're probably you're going to find that risk, aren't you? more yeah. a yeah, direct, you know, direct to landlord. I yeah. suppose put in a different scenario, so if you were mm. to buy a car from Steve down the road or you walk into a dealership, you know, you're taking that risk, aren't you? Potentially there's going to be problems. If you go directly to a landlord who's advertising his property on Facebook or something like that, bigger you know, risk. It'll be different. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that's <clears throat> it. Yeah, That's a very good point. From, from <laughs> a, a rental perspective as a tenant, um, having reviewed the bill, and most tenants won't review the bill, so if you've got people mm. listening in that are renting right now, what's your thoughts on this from a tenant's perspective? Obviously this has been put in place and the government is saying this is to help tenants. So as a tenant, having actually read it, because 
let's be honest, 99% of tenants will never read this. It's landlords that will read it and most yeah, landlords sure. won't even read it. Well, yeah, no, what's definitely. your thoughts as somebody who actually rents a property off a landlord? Yeah, I appreciate that, Kevin. Um, you're, you're correct in what you said. You know, a lot of tenants aren't going to pay attention to this. And I think a lot of people out there, not just tenants, just as a society, we trust in you know our government and we believe they have our best interests at heart. But this is definitely not the case. I think you can simply start with the word reform. Uh, to me, my understanding is to make something better, where I think this bill is, is going to be doing a complete opposite for both tenants and landlords. Um, I think, you know, it's a continued set of policies in here, you know, which is making it extremely difficult for landlords around, you know, the whole sort of environmental side of things or the EPC criteria coming in uh, to effect in 2025. What we've covered already with the, you know, inability to offset interest against rent with the Section 24 and, you know, potentially now the abolishment of Section 21. And there's definitely a, you know, misconception uh, around landlords. I think it's, you know, good, give the greedy landlords what they deserve. But ultimately, this is just going to cause a negative downward spiral, which, which will impact tenants. Um, ultimately, I, I, this is where I see this going. In what ways do you think it can impact tenants? So as we just touched upon just a moment ago, um, you know, we're all aware, and probably the viewers are as well, there's definitely a house shortage out there. So a lot of landlords who read this, you know, and don't dive a bit deeper into it, you know, they may become a bit weary, a bit cautious and, you know, decide to sell up and, you know, it's basic sub- supply and demand, isn't it? You know, if, you know, low, low supply, then the rents will be higher. So ultimately, you know, rents will become higher if there is, you know, less demand out there. For landlords, obviously it's good, but that's probably potentially one of the, the impacts on tenants that will, you know, spiral down to tenants. And obviously if rents start to go higher, more tenants will end up going away from high street letting agents <coughs> to find a landlord rogue and they landlords, end up finding exactly. another rogue landlord. Probably. Or they'll, you know, without, without all this legislative cost. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll go down to the local council. We need a house. Sorry, we haven't got houses. You know, so, so, it's a vicious circle, unfortunately. In Scotland during the pandemic, they introduced a rent cap. <clears throat> and when they introduced the rent cap, what happened was landlords with empty properties massively hiked their rents, <clears throat> and tenants couldn't afford that needed property couldn't afford the higher rent. Now they massively hiked the rent because they thought, well, if there's a rent cap, I'll put my rent high to move in so that I, because I know I can't increase it afterwards. But that meant that people in another property that was a bit cheaper, let's say somebody wants to move. So they're in a relationship, the relationship breaks down, one of them needs to move out and rent somewhere else, but they're not going to leave a cheap rental property to move into two separate, more expensive ones. So they end up staying in somewhere they don't want to stay, maybe in a relationship they want to stay in or whatever it may be, mm. or don't want to move to another part of the country because the rents will be higher. Mm. So do you think as a tenant in a property um, with this new bill that um, staying with a landlord, it'll force a lot of tenants to stay with the landlord at the moment rather than move to another landlord? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, they keep going on about improving the private rented sector and making it difficult for rogue landlords. But as you just touched upon, it's potentially putting those tenants who do live in, you know, bad quality properties who are, you know, run by rogue landlords, uh, you know, at greater risk. So for sure. Yeah. There's another part in here about pets as well. So um, do we as landlords, we must, tenants have to request permission to have pets. But then if they request permission, uh, we have to allow pets? Or? Not necessarily allow. I mean, again, this is something that's already, you know, active now. You know, if a tenant does, you know, approach you to rent your property and they do ask a question such as, would you consider pets? Um, 
you know, there's you know a lot of reasons why landlords can say no to that. One could be you know sort of block management if it's you know definitely sort of apartments and stuff like that. Um, I think this bill is just basically saying they have to give basically better reason behind it. But it's not that you must can you know they if they if they say they've got a pet, that's it. The pet's moving in. It's it's not quite saying that. Um, I, I mean, the thing with the pets is if you come to me and you mm. say someone's got a dog. Mm. Uh, and they want to bring it in the property. The first thing I think is, why well, is the dog going to ruin the property? Which dog? Yeah, which dog, and is it going to ruin the property? And often then you say, oh, well, we'll take a little bit more as a deposit, yeah. or you know, they'll have to clean the carpets on the way out, whatever, and and then I'll agree to it. In this, they're, they're, they're sort of saying, well, yes, there will be a, a right for tenants to request permission to keep a, a pet in the, the property, and landlords will be limited uh, in the circumstances which consent may be refused, um, but appropriate insurance cover mm. will need to be arranged. Well, if there is insurance, who's paying for it? Well, the tenant. The tenant yeah. will have to pay for it, surely. Yeah. Well, I think if there is insurance in place, um, which will pay for damage that mm. the pet, you know, <clears throat> causes uh, in the property, and we're happy the insurance is actually going to pay. I it catches everything. Landlords aren't going to be bothered by that. No. They'll be quite pleased. You know, they, they, they keep the tenant there longer. Mm. Um, so I don't really see that as an issue, we, but it's just another cost that the tenants going to have to yeah, pay. Mm. It is, because at the moment we've got a lot of properties with tenants with pets. And one of the big advantages of a property with a tenant with pets is that tenant can't go anywhere. Can't go anywhere. Yeah. They stay with us for years and years yeah. and years because when they try and go somewhere else, the landlord says, we don't take pets. Yeah. And it's almost a niche in itself yeah. of tenants with pets. Yeah. And here, yeah, now we're going to say, thank you, you can still stay, but you're going to have to pay more for an insurance policy. Yeah. And now we're better again because if they there is damage, it's paid for. Exactly. Um, and some of them just bring pets anyway without telling you. I mean, that, yeah, true. I mean you must have loads of that. They just they don't tell you. Pets just go in and, and crack on. If there's no damage, we, we, we don't say anything anyway. We had a HMO during lockdown with yeah. five tenants stayed at home during lockdown. They yeah. bought a cat. Yeah. But then what happened was they bought a cat, but obviously none of them decided who bought the cat. So since the lockdown finished, mm. all five tenants that were there when the cat was arrived have left, mm. but the cat's still there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some interesting stuff can happen as yeah. a landlord too. Yeah. Can't evict the cat. So yeah, what else is in there, guys? That we haven't covered yet. This this rental formula thing is. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. I don't even get it. Yeah. yeah, to be honest, I've not read too much about that. I mean, there is no rent cap um, at, at the moment, and there's no rent cap proposing this or rent control yeah. or anything like that. Um, so in, in generic terms at the moment, um, I think there's a fair rent officer, and they mm. work for a subsidiary of the VOA, the Valuation Office. So this hasn't really happened since the pandemic, but prior to, um, Steph, who manages the letting agency, would supply our average rents for certain properties. Fair rent officer would have a look and sort of go, right, any rent, rent increases need to be within uh, the sort of market rate, uh, and you know she's going to work that out by looking, <coughs> excuse me, at all the other rents that we're, you know, achieving on other properties. I suspect this is going to be something similar. Um, there's also going to be, you know, the amount of notice you've got to give at the moment. Um, one month they're changing it to yeah, two. Yeah, so they're making it two. Yeah, but uh, and I you mean, can't do it in the first six months. And yeah, I think it. We're going to do it once a year, mm, you know, all that stuff. Sorry, Kim. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know. 
Preparation here is, I suppose, some sort of key to elevation. I mean, every time we've sat down together, Mark, and we, we're looking through rent increases, we always give, we tend to give way more than a month anyway. Yeah. You know, by law, you know, Mark and landlords are only supposed to give a month. But I think if you, you know, look in advance and diarise these six. things, yeah, you try to give uh, them a lot of time. Because so. especially if, you know, the moment rents are going up a lot, you, you know, and they're going to, you know, get a, a reasonable rate increase and they can't afford it. I'd rather sort of know now. Yeah. And then, and also they know and they've got six months then to prepare. Well, that's it. And, yeah. yeah that's, somewhere else or whatever. That there is a little bit of a nugget as well, because since, you know, that sort of process that we do, we, we tend to have less comeback from tenants, you know, when it's normally a month. Um, you know, they have less time to sort of deal yeah. with it, plan for it. Well, it's not fair. Really, is exactly. It? So. We, we bought a portfolio last year and all the rents were really low. And when we came in, with we didn't go in and go, okay, hey, new landlord, hi, here's the rent increase. We made a decision to leave it nine months, mm. let them have nine months getting used to us, and mm. then introduce the rent increase yeah. in the back of the fact it's not been done in years. So yeah. you, it's the difference between how do you run your business and are you that rogue landlord that's just taking advantage of, of everything in the system? You, it is better with rent rises to go little and often. Yeah. So. It, you know, say, I mean, we've got stuff where, you know, it might, might be at 650 and actually the market's at 900. So obviously you're not going to go from 650 to yep. 900, but you might try and go 50 to 100 pounds a year and then keep it. That's what we've been doing. Uh, because if you, you know, you let it get too far behind, it's such a big it's jump and it's very difficult to catch up. Yeah. 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 One in here yeah. about students as well. So obviously the student-led market would typically... Students move into a, a property on a multi-let basis, maybe four, four friends or whatever together. They'd sign a 12-month contract on that property. Yeah. How do you think this bill is going to affect student-let properties? Because they don't want to stay there for the next 25 yeah. years. They well, just I, want to stay there for a year, maybe. I think there's been a, a lot of opposition, and they say they're going to amend it for students because, of course, students do leave at mm. the end of the 12 months, and that's the normal sort of rhythm that's the normal course of events so uh, i suspect that'll be amended we, we, the thing is this is all supposition mm. this has got to make its way through parliament and the mm. house of lords and there'll be a load of changes mm. uh, along the way that's the key bit this has just actually been introduced to parliament it's yeah. not been yeah. approved <coughs> by bill. parliament yeah, yeah it's just first yeah. reading yeah. isn't it so, so. yeah so it'll probably look by the time it's finished completely different to this and they might start all over with a blank piece of paper. Well, rather than having this, yeah, they'll um, <laughs> they'll make amendments. I'm yeah. sure. Um, is anything else in here that we've not picked up on that you think is the key point? Because it's not. Yes, there's a lot of changes, but actually, you can still evict a bad tenant. You can still um, rent to tenants. Yeah. You can still collect the rent. You can still. Um, have pets, but now we can get insurance against them. Uh, there's nothing, I guess the, the, the effect on landlords would be if they want to take a property and from a, a residential tenant and turn it into maybe serviced accommodation or they want to, um, I don't know, nothing else really than that, is there? The only other thing, it might affect the, the SA market slightly, but it also might not. If a, if a landlord, if a tenant just chooses to leave, the landlord, and most tenants regularly just choose to leave. It's not just the tenants that Frequent. landlords ask for housing back. Yeah. Frequently tenants choose to leave. Yeah, yeah. But outside of that, um, there's not really anything 
different. It's just life as normal, really, isn't it? Apart yeah. from you'd go down Section 8 instead of Section 21. Yeah, I think it's just the same, really, isn't it? Um, you know, tenants are you know going to feel the impact. Well, obviously, you know, extra charges that they'll potentially have to pay for with pet insurance. And there are sort of extra charges in here which landlords are going to have to pay for, such as being a part of that property portal. There's going to be a fee being you know registered to the ombudsman that they want to create. And they've said per property. I don't know whether that for HMOs, if that's going to be per room. Mm. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how much that fee is. There's one other thing I had a thought on is, is and this could have a big impact, is you would often, and I see this a lot from landlords, they might remove a tenant to refurbish a house, you mm. know, fit a new kitchen, <coughs> paint it, decorate it, do it up, where they can't maybe do that work while the tenant's there, replace the kitchen, bathroom, etc. Do you think this could actually affect where a lot of rental properties will not get refurbished as much or to as high a spec because they're going to be you can't get the tenant out to do the full refurb? I think that could be the case. I mean, we are going through a process now of trying to refurb some flats and just, you know, improve the quality of them. Uh, and we'll, we'll often try and move them into other Places, know, yeah. rooms yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Well, we can't uh, do that um, as easily. Yeah, though. I'm not really sure what you're going to do. Um, that, that's <laughs> one mm. reason why we're getting on with it now. I mean, can, uh, can from this bill, can we still, because we would literally, we've got a block of six flats, or, or if we take on a HMO and there might be three rooms filled out of five, we'd mm. say to the tenant in one room, do you want to move to a different, we'll do what we've done up this room, do you want to move to that room and then we'll do up yours? Hmm. Can we move a tenant from one room to another within a HMO and that's a change of tenancy? Yes. Well, yeah, at the moment clarity. we don't know, do yeah, we? Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly, not clarity on that. So, uh, that is the little sort of bits where it will be more difficult to actually help the tenants as well, surely? Absolutely, and it will end up just places will go to rack and ruin. Yeah. So final thoughts on the bill? Yeah, as I touched upon briefly just a moment ago, just you know, there's sort of pros and cons about it for both you know tenant and landlord. It's not all doom and gloom. I think we should just you know continue to be patient and wait. You know, as we touch upon this is just simply the first reading. There's probably potentially a lot of changes uh, to come of this. Um, so I think yeah, just hold fire at the moment. I don't think panic. Don't do anything uh, too major at the moment. Cheers, Kieran. Yeah. Mark. Thank you. Final thoughts. Any final? Uh, <laughs> All this stuff can be used as an opportunity. Uh, you know, as interest rates go up, you get more of this, and you get you know more legislation and more negative news. It just means there are less people buying, mm. and it means you know I think prices have already, in reality, in many areas like Peterborough, they've dropped probably 10-15 percent. I know the you know the ONS and the average data coming out of Nationwide says it's three, but you can get stuff 10 to 15 percent cheaper now. Mm. Uh, and in some cases more than that, um, and the yields are going up, the rents are going up. So yeah. uh, just use it, you know, adjust your sale and use it as an opportunity to get better stock for more rent. Mm. Cheaper, you know, you can buy it cheaper, can't you? Go against the tide, as Mark says. Absolutely. So from my point of view, I'm excited by it because when you're trying to buy, if you're on the investment side trying to buy property, you can use this with landlords to um, push down your price and be you know while others are fearful you should be greedy and there's a lot of fear out there right now and this can be a big opportunity for you to grab absolute bargains because there will be landlords not understanding this not reading it properly and what they'll be doing is they'll be trying to get out of the marketplace they'll be panicking about all of this stuff and it gives you an opportunity to pick up properties at a discount knowing that people will be renting properties from private landlords in this country in a hundred years time so why should they not be renting them from you next year, this year, three years' time? There will always be rental property. The question is, will it be you renting them or will it be you the one that's selling them at a discount out of fear? Fear never wins, 
but there'll always be winners in property so long as you're educated you understand what you're doing and you know how to take advantage of these types of things when they come out one person's loss is somebody else's gain it's which side you decide to be on so thank you guys karen and mark for coming in and sharing your thoughts with us today i've been kevin mcdonald the guys have been awesome as always we'll see you next time